thank you, sweetie, for that beautiful worship. My wife, she types out my lesson for me, and, and she picks the songs that goes along with what I'm about to minister. And I like that. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Isn't he good? Amen. Right now, if you could see God face to face, and you'd say, God, remember, and you start naming all the mistakes you made, he'd say, I don't remember. <laughs> he'd throw them in the sea of forgetfulness. He don't bring them up to you no more. Hallelujah. What a good God. God's grace is Jesus on the cross. That's God's grace. He died on that cross and shed his blood. Hallelujah. That is the grace of God. That's grace. I know for a couple weeks <clears throat> we've been talking on self-dependency and God-dependency and to show you who the instigators are. <clears throat> and in Genesis, if you read in the very beginning, from the outset of time, the instigator, <clears throat> he went to Adam and told him, told him and Eve when they pick of the forbidden fruit, Whatever that fruit is, you know, churches, they like to argue, they debate all, they spend all their time debating what the fruit is. Was it an apple? Was it a banana? Was it a pomegranate? Was it a pineapple? It makes no difference. The point is, the essence of it all is they disobey God. That's the essence of it. The fruit has nothing to do with it. It was just a thing that drew their attention. And, and the enemy, he does that. He's the instigator. He said, don't you realize... The voice came in the garden, but after God spoke to him. See, God told him what to do first, and then the enemy come and told him what not to do. And he said, <clears throat> when you partake of that, he said, could it be that God didn't tell you everything? Like God tried to hide something when God put the trees. That's the symbolism of the trees right in the midst where they could see them. So God didn't hide a thing. God don't have no reason to hide nothing. What God wanted was their heart. That's what God wants today, your heart. Yes, he wants your tithes and offerings. Yes, he wants you in church. Yes, he wants you to pray. Yes, he wants you to talk to the lost about knowing God. He wants all those things. But the main thing he wants is your heart. He wants your heart. A lot of people, you know, they go to church and they try to perform a lot of works. And you need somebody to clean. You need somebody to paint. You need somebody to drive the van. You know? And everybody's eager to do all those things and they're well and good in their place but what he still wants is your heart when your heart's in it you'll do it when it rains you'll do it when the sun shines you'll do it when the wind blows you'll do it when life's good you'll do it when life is bad you'll do it when people love you you'll do it when people don't love you you'll do it when people give you attaboys everybody likes them attaboys you know attaboy good boy good job <clears throat> you know like a but you still should serve him if you never get an attaboy. Amen? Because it's from the heart. It's the heart that God wants. The heart. This head is the thing that gets in the way of knifing. You know, they say about knocking your block off. You know, sometimes we'd like need to knock that block off because it talks too much. It tells us too many things that gets us into trouble. But God loves us. And you can see I got I got my little friend with me today. Yeah, he's still in there. He didn't resurrect. There he is. 
Your pastor built that. God puts things on my heart. I see things in the spirit to do things. And oh my, it must have been 20 years ago, I guess. I took a box and I got some stuff together. And these rails, these rails really come from the casket company. They're real rails where they carry on a real casket when they have the pallbearers. So some guy worked there and I asked him if he could get me some of them and he got me a couple and we put them on there <clears throat> to use them for a principle. It's about a spiritual principle. Aren't you glad you aren't in there anymore? Aren't you glad the old you come out of there? I'm so glad. I want to minister to you today the title from the spiritual connotation of bondage. There's a lot of bondages that people do not connect with. You know, in our past, we all have past. How many have past? And people said or people done things that hurt you. Can you admit that? People said or done things. All of us. That includes pastor. I'm not, I'm not exempt, believe me. I probably had 20 times more than you did. <laughs> that people said things or done things to hurt or intimidate you. And the reason is, is to stop you. The enemy wants to stop you. If you notice, <clears throat> if most of you can discern, when you first started coming to Jubilee, you might have come a couple Sundays and the devil don't bother you. But as soon as something good happens, then the devil starts his attack. And he tries to tell you, oh, that wasn't God. God don't heal today. God don't bless today. God don't, you know, and I like God's, it's so faithful even when you're not present. Now the brother here, he works, has to work a lot of Sundays and a lot of companies, they do that. And I remember when I was ministering and I felt a strong urge in here to stop saying what I was saying. And I said, somebody, I said, somebody, because that, that's the words that I heard and I felt somebody is about to get a promotion and a raise. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cute. Sister here, my little sister, she, she didn't even get home until she started texting my wife and she said, that's my husband, Pastor prophesied today. Somebody's gonna get a position and a raise. And I didn't know it. I didn't know from that. God didn't show me who it was. Sometimes God don't to excel your faith. And sometimes you'll be sitting there and say, well, he didn't call my name, but I know that was me. See, and that builds your faith. Your faith will grow. It'll excel. That's how he feeds your faith. And she said, that's my husband, because they told him he got the promotion he put in for it, and he gets a raise with it. Now, isn't God good? Give the Lord a hand clap. See, God, God is so faithful. Now, when you, when you prophesied, I'm sure you were doing some kind of praying. You was probably down, down under when you put in for the job. I'm sure you said, God, I need that. God, please. You, know, you were talking to him a little bit somewhere. Okay. Now, even though the prophecy doesn't always happen right away, sometimes prophecies happen just like that. You, you don't even get it out of your mouth until it already took place. I was reading the scripture today back in my office uh, minister sent me a, a letter in there that said he'll answer before you call. Mm -hmm. oh, how about that? He'll answer before you call. The reason being, it's not automatic, the reason he does that is because he sees the true blue's heart. He knows what you're going to do. He knows you're going to praise him. 
He knows you're going to read the Word. He knows you're going to pray. He knows you're not always going to make the right choice, but you try to do that as much as you can. <clears throat> but the spiritual connotation of bondage <clears throat> is things. How many can say that <clears throat> along life's journey so far, you've, you've had people say or do things or maybe things didn't pan out the way you wanted, and it caused hurt. It caused a hurt. There was a hurt by somebody who rejected you or somebody turned against you. And, and most of the time, the biggest hurt is when it's somebody closest to you. Like your spouse or your children or your grandchildren or your co-worker or friend you knew for 30 years turned against you. Amen? Amen. Mm -hmm. My daughter, I guess everybody's going up there. So I want to read this scripture to you first in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Now this is, there was a great relationship here between Jesus and Lazarus. Lazarus was a real close friend. They had a relationship where he loved, he actually, did you ever have somebody you were so close to that you just loved to be around them? They they are they are friends, yeah. You know one, huh? <laughs> you just love you, you do. You love being around them. They never say nothing negative to you or hurtful to you. They're there for you. They love you. They make good comments. If they don't see you, they'll say I missed you, whatever. You know those kind of people. It's nice to be around. They boost you up because ninety nine percent of the time you have to face those other kind that other crowd you don't want to be around. But see, that's the real reality of life. That, and people don't understand how to discern that. That's because of your spirit. The enemy wants to make void what God did for you. He doesn't want you to believe that. Now, you have to understand, if that happened in the Garden of Eden, in paradise, where there was no sickness, there was no death, there was no wars, there was no lack, there were everything you could think of was like being in heaven. Now, if the enemy showed up there and deceived Adam and Eve, what do you think he's going to do to us? We're not. I don't know about you, but I know I, I recognize already I'm not living in a perfect environment. But the neat part is, if you feast on the Word of God, I mean, you know, a lot of people put it on the back burner and they read it if they can or, or they don't have time. Listen, for God to move, you've got to make time. You've got to make time. And that's like when he said uh, that he answers before you call and he's talking about specific people that he knows them so well. He knows what they're going to do. He knows they're going to love him. He knows they're going to worship him. He knows they're going to give to him. He knows they're going to choose to do the right thing. So he'll answer before you call because he knows you're going to do the right thing. See, he knows you better than you know yourself. So in John <clears throat> chapter 11, verses 41 to 44. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you hear me always. See, now he didn't call him Father just because he didn't know that God would hear or God would answer. He explains it. But because of the people. 
which stand by, I said it. He means I said, Father, that you hear me always, that they believe that you have sent me. See, they called him a blasphemer. They called him a wine-bibber. They called him crazy. They called him a fanatic. <clears throat> Some of us have been called those names already, so get used to it. They already called the Lord. He said, I've already been there before you. So Everybody's not going to treat you good. you got to understand that. It, when the people or individuals or circumstances in your life do not treat you well, that helps you appreciate when God does something for you. Did you hear that? When life or people do not treat you well, it helps boost your faith to know that God loves you more. Okay? You got that? And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. <clears throat> now that loud voice doesn't mean he just up and screamed. Okay? There's a, there's a lot of people out there screaming right now. <laughs> Don't make a hill of beans. But that loud voice there, what it means is his divine authority. When he was praying, he was praying from his spirit with the depth of his soul. So if you have a highlighter or pen, you can highlight. When I see something specifically, you look at my Bible, I got, I got things all marked up and wrote. <clears throat> and that loud voice refers to his supreme authority. What he was saying is, Devil, I have power over death. So you can't keep my brother in there. You've got to let him go. It was not just how loud. You know, some preachers get loud when you get under the anointing. You get loud. But it's not about the loudness. It's about the supreme authority that you have in did you. Ever, did you ever pray a prayer that you knew you were praying out of your spirit? I mean, it was like a a nudge, a nerve pulled out of there, man, like you. <laughs> not on my watch. I got my foot down, you know. You're not going to do it to my household. Now, <clears throat> I like when people do research. Not, not too many people do research like they should. Too many people go by the grapevine and whatever they hear, they believe. And like this... Uh, I don't call it the coronavirus pandemic. I call it the fear pandemic, because that's what it is. The political parties had put fear in the public people. They put a fear, such a fear in you that you can't go, you can't come, you can't do. You're afraid of everything. You're afraid to go to the grocery store, afraid to do this, afraid to buy this, afraid to do that. It, it, the fear activates. And it says fear hath torment. It torments you to go and come. Now, you don't realize is what the enemy used a certain political party to control you. It's not about a pandemic. My God, go back and do your search. We had pandemics that did worse. The bubonic plague, SARS, and all those. More died, more died than what they're proclaiming died from the COVID virus. They seen it as a political stunt, and they used it to pull the wool over people's eyes. I had a laugh that people went out and said 
about me, which the pastor always gets a lot of not. I have to use a healing bomb on my head because I get a lot of knots. And they said, he don't care about people. All he cares about is running that church and getting money. Well, if they knew me, they would know that my wife and I, we ran this ministry for 20 years and, and the treasurer never, hear me now, lovely people did. People was good, just come up and gave us envelopes or stuck money in our hand. But we've never taken a penny for 20 years out of this ministry. We send it to feed the children, put shoes on their feet, put clothes on their back, drill water wells. That's what we've been doing for 20 years. And because of that, God blessed this ministry that we've never wanted for nothing. When we go to do something, God's there and the money and it's paid for. Because of our hearts, it's not on money. I don't stand, this is not a job to me. This is a compassion to me. I love people. And I love what God, what I know God can do to people. God can bring you out of the most dire situation. And I don't, I don't care who believes me or who don't believe me. I, you don't have to agree with me. I don't, that don't bother me. I know what I'm saying is true. And through drug addiction and through suicide, there's been more people died three times as many as died from the COVID. Then, wake up, church. Like, what's that tell you? Now, something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong. Three times as many as who died from the COVID. People who committed suicide because they couldn't handle the stress level of losing jobs. You take this new presidency administration now the first day the first day the first day day number one that ought to blow you away took away over 10,000 jobs <laughs> like hello we need to be praying we need to be seeing what the enemy tries to do to the people do you notice in all the advertisements they've been making for the last couple months, if you read it, if you pay attention to it, the bars are back open, the restaurants are starting to open, the theaters, this and that. Everything was mentioned but church. They did not say one word about the church, nothing. They didn't say you could close, you could stay open, you could burn the building down, nothing. Zero was said about the church. Because the enemy knows this is the foundation of everything else you stand on. If he can keep you out of church, he'll do what he can to keep you out. Well, that pastor's a crook. And you believe it. Somebody come along and tell you that, and you believe it and stay out of church. You're not hurting the pastor, you're hurting yourself. Because when every time you come in the spirit of truth that resides in the midst is in the midst of the people. As we come and congregate, your faith is not based on just you, but everybody else around you. Everybody, your, your, your faith is doubled, tripled, quadrupled because of everybody else in here that's believing with you. The spirit of truth will rest on you and the spirit of truth will awaken your spirit from the dead. How many got that? You get that? Mm -hmm. The spirit of truth resides in us. He resides in his buildings. 
I don't need structure. I don't need denominations. I don't need organization. I just need Jesus. I want Jesus in there. Now, I'm not talking about running stuff illegal or crooked or anything like that. You still got to run the church right because God sees that. But the main principle is I want Jesus in here. I want Jesus to show up. And he who was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. And they said unto him, Jesus said unto him, Loose him and let him go. Now I want you to focus on that. Loose him and let him go. Many of us, after we come to Christ, and heaven is our home, and we don't have to spend eternity in hell or damnation, because there's two places. Whether you like it or not, they may try to explain it away and say it's not, but it is. The Bible talks about the rich man, Lazarus, when they died. <clears throat> one went to hell and one went to paradise. Then Jesus didn't go to the cross then yet. So he stored all the souls in paradise till he died and rose from the dead. When he rose from the dead, he brought all those souls out of there and took them to glory with him. But there was a great gulf. Now the rich man is in torment. And the beggar is at peace. Why? Because he got the, the priority thing in his life. So now he gets to spend eternity with God. But the rich man, his riches was his God. Understand, it's nothing wrong with being rich. Or having a lot or plenty to do. Nothing wrong with that. It's that it don't have you. If it has you, you're in trouble. Because that's what he told the rich young ruler. He said, go sell all that you have and then come worship in me. He says he hung his head and he went away sorrowful. Jesus was not telling him to give up everything. He was just telling him to let go of the thing that had his heart. See, what has your heart? Only you know. You and God knows what has your heart. I can see things that have people's heart by how they serve the Lord. I know things that, that harbor their heart. And the thing is important that you love him. Don't, don't be concerned of what pastor sees or what pastor knows. Be concerned of what God sees and what God knows. Because he knows all things. He's with you all the time. He's with you when you sleep. He's with you when you take a shower. He's with you when you're in your car. He's while you're at work. Whatever you're doing, he's reading the intents of your heart. And you have to understand that if we know not the hour, even Jesus don't know. The Bible says that. Jesus don't know when he's coming. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's waiting to all be fulfilled. All, there's a lot of prophecy that needs to be fulfilled yet. But it's getting closer and closer. It's getting worse and worse. And if we pray and keep our eye focused on Jesus, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about. God will not let us down. He will not fail. He's a good God. But you've got to stay focused on Him. Not focused on 
what's going to happen this fall or this winter. If they keep spending the trillions they're spending, they're already now talking about four different areas that they want to spend trillions, and we're going to be so deep in debt that the money, value of money is not going to be worth nothing. You better trust God. You better worship him while it's good. He says, worship me while it's day. That means when you can see. That's, that's a symbolism. While it's day means when you can see because there comes night when it's dark and you can't see. That means everything's going to be topsy-turvy. It's going to be upside down. And a lot of us are going to be biting our fingernails off to our elbows. We're going to be screaming and yelling. We're going to do, and the first thing it's going to do in your mind, we're going to start doing things that's dishonest and things that's crooked. And the first thing fear does, it'll get you to quit giving to God. That's the first thing. First thing. I'm not going to church. I'm not putting no more money in that church. And when you cut off your main line to heaven, this is God's work. This is not me and Pastor Judy. If I fall over dead while I'm preaching today, or she does, it doesn't go to me. It's put into, into a mission work. It's all sold and taken care of. No, no, any one person doesn't go to my children or anything else. That's how it's set up. It goes to the work of God unless somebody else that'll do what's right with it. But the first thing Jesus did when he come out of there, he said, loose him and let him go. My message is this, the spiritual connotation of bondage is how many knows that as long as you've been serving God, there's still something that has you bound. Something that haunts you. Maybe fear. Maybe worry. Wave your pinkies at me. There's something. Something that bothers you. Okay, that's a bondage. God didn't give me this to talk to the seats. He did not give me this to talk to the seats. Now, I'm not talking specific any one person. I don't do that. I don't browbeat people. You have to listen to the Holy Spirit. If it's bothering you, if you have a guilt trip, it's because the Holy Spirit is talking to you. It doesn't mean you're going to be condemned. It doesn't mean God's going to strike you with a bolt of lightning. How many got that? See, there's condemnation and then there's conviction. They're two different things. If you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, you're going to have guilt. It's called condemnation. But Romans 8 and 1 says there is no condemnation. The word condemnation means guilt. There is none to those who are in Christ. That means you're connected with him. You stay connected with him through prayer, through loving him, keeping your mind stayed upon him. Read the word. Do what you can. If you're not doing what he's given you to do, you cannot handle yourself. That's what grace is. Grace is Jesus or God's ability to help you do what you cannot do yourself. Never say, I'm not going to smoke again. I'm not going to drink again. I'm not going to cuss again. I'm not going to lie again. When you say that, that's exactly what you're going to do. You're going to fail. When pressure comes, you'll fail and you'll do exactly the thing you say you're not going to do because you're standing in yourself. You're giving yourself the glory. Now, the Bible says, right, our pastor knows where he's talking, where I'm going. I know what I'm talking about. The Bible says he's a jealous God. 
He will not give his glory to another. That means pastor, that means you, that means deacon, whatever, singers, whatever. He won't give his glory to another. And when you say, I'll never, you're focusing on pride. Pride lifts its ugly head, and the middle letter of pride is I. I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. And the moment you say that, he said pride goes before the fall. Somewhere, weeks, months, maybe even years down the road, you're going to fall. I've seen people do it. We had a person here that came here for years. And they said to me, Pastor, I like when people just come out of the blue. And I can tell when they're talking to me. They're talking from here and not here. So I know it wasn't from the heart. I know God didn't tell them. They were telling me they were elevating their self. No one will ever, listen to it now, no one will ever drag me out of my church jubilee. Got it? And I knew, I prayed for that person because I knew it was coming out of arrogance. It was coming out of pride. It was coming out, I know better than God. About two and a half years later, guess what? They ain't here. They left. They couldn't even come and face me because it was guilt. Hey, if I say I'm going to do something, I ain't afraid to face you today, brother. Uh, I love you, but, you know, you'll, you'll face a person. But if you're guilty, I can't face you so I'll send you a letter. I'll write you a text and say I won't be back. Got it? But where there's no guilt, there's no condemnation. It's conviction. And they say, well, the Lord's sending me on a journey. Well, okay. I just hope you heard the Lord. And the neat part was, them same people that badmouthed me because they thought I was only running the church for myself and not people. Now you have to discern that. Now I'm not trying to bash anybody. I'm trying to get you to discern what I'm saying. Because <clears throat> they thought they knew more than I do. But I knew I was going by my spirit and not by my flesh. See, there's carnal people who talk out of their carnality. You got to talk from your spirit. You got to know the spirit man has told you. Are you listening to me, church? And it wasn't too long after they put those vindictive words out there against me and my wife that were just, it's about us, which was nothing further from the truth. After they put down our one shortly after that, their whole church, the pastor and his wife, got COVID. Everybody in that church got COVID. And I said, nobody in here, it's over a year now, and nobody in here that was in here, I'm talking about in here, not outside, in here, has got the COVID in here or spread the COVID. Hello? Give the Lord a hand clap. I understand what I'm saying. I know it happened to you, but not in here. It was like either visiting with your father around a lot of people 
that you contacted, that you get it or whatever, and they told you to wash your hands, cover your face, do what you can do to protect yourself. It happened to her, but it did not happen here. Am I right? Yeah. Am I telling the truth? Yeah, it could have happened at work, you know? Yeah, but I'm saying it didn't happen here. That's right. That's See? Right. Yep. Now you hear it from the horse's mouth. It didn't happen here because it was the COVID was not in here. Now we're talking over a year, and the whole church, the people that badmouthed me, that went there, the COVID hit the whole church. And the pastor and his wife. Am I correct? Everybody. See that? See, I got evidence when I speak. I don't say something unless I got proof. Yeah, I got proof. Everybody. Be careful with your mouth. The Bible says be careful with your mouth what you say and who you put your mouth on. The Bible says touch not my anointing. Now I'm anointed of God whether you like me or don't like me. That's not going to change my anointing. And when you go putting your mouth on me, God doesn't like that. Because he said when you do it to one of these, you do it to me. So when they put their mouth on me, they were putting their mouth on him. Because he called me. I didn't call myself. He called me. I could do anything but this. I'd run out to Montana somewhere and get me a little cabin and a gun where I had a fireplace to burn some logs and shoot me an elk or go along. You going along? I'm going with you. I'm busy. I'm saying I'm saying that's what I'd like to do. You understand what I'm saying? What we could do, and I told my wife about it, she said, What would you do if you could do? I said I'd I'd, I'd get out to Montana about as quick as I could, a four-wheel Jeep or something to get me there with a gun under my arm, and I'd sit out there and watch it snow and shoot me a nice elk and have some elk steak or something. But I can't do that. See, I have to give up. I have to give up. Sometimes you have to give up. Now, just because you serve God, it don't mean God will do it for you. God might let you do that. <clears throat> but if God don't let you do it, if you have condemnation and you don't have your 